0: Thank you for listening to the Resources for Integrated Care podcast series, Locating and Engaging Hard-to-Reach Members During COVID-19, a panel discussion. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on December 14, 2021. In this podcast, Renee Marcus Hoden, the Deputy Director of the Center for Consumer Engagement in Health Innovation at Community Catalyst, facilitates a panel discussion with Lauren Easton, the Vice President for Integrative Program Development and Clinical Innovation at Commonwealth Care Alliance, or CCA, Tasha Asifa, a Manager for Community Programs at Community Health Plan of Washington, or CHPW, and Jen Klopstein, a Special Needs Plan or SNP Administrator for Health Services at Viva Health. During this discussion, panelists offer strategies and promising practices for locating and engaging hard-to-reach members during COVID-19. Locating hard-to-reach members was one of the most common challenges. So I'm hoping
1: that each of you can elaborate on how this challenge was exacerbated by the pandemic. And Tasha, if I can start with you.
2: Most of us know and experience how quickly many of us became reliant on technology to deliver services or to connect with our own loved ones after the pandemic started. The COVID-19 pandemic exacerbated challenges for us in locating hard to reach members, especially those with limited access to phone and technology. It became even more difficult to engage these members when face-to-face interactions were limited and members could not be reached reliably via phone or technology. Prior to the pandemic, one of the ways we could connect with members would be at events, for example recreational time at shelters time that's open for like meals or games events were canceled and continue to have barriers to entry and limitations due to the ongoing pandemic. So this presented a barrier for engagement and
3: continues to present a barrier to engagement for us.
1: Jen, why don't I take it over to you, and then we'll
3: have Lauren follow. So as previously mentioned, the pandemic really changed up a lot of things for these vulnerable members, and we had to heavily rely on telephonic outreach. Prior to the pandemic, we're very face-to-face and in the community with our members. So this did dampen some of our efforts, and we had to be much more creative on how we would reach out, and much more efficient with how we reach out. We also have several members that are in rural areas, and they may rely on like a landline telephone. I know it seems like a thing of the past, but there are several that do have that, and that would limit our ability to contact them if they weren't at home or where that number is. Members with cell phones may have limited coverage as well because it is rural and very mountain in some areas of Alabama or just very sparse. There may be a limitation on those phones because of the minutes. So that can put constraints on not only meeting with us, but the member also having to watch those minutes to work with their telephonically. And then another thing would be just the general lack of consistent access to the internet for a lot of our members. appreciate you bringing in the rural um, aspect of this.
4: Very similar to Jen and Tasha, but in addition to technology challenges, our typical outreach efforts, as I mentioned earlier, were difficult to impossible due to COVID-19 safety protocols. Typically, we conduct many of our visits for our member population in their homes or residential programs or day facilities, shelters, or elsewhere, basically mostly in the community. With many of these locations shut down or unavailable during the pandemic, locating hard to reach members became even more difficult. In addition, many interventions with our members occur face-to-face within the emergency department, so we had to shift away from engagement in that setting as well. So for many of our members who we had established trusting relationships, we had unpredicted success with transitioning to virtual care. CCA pivoted very quickly at the beginning of the pandemic into a virtual care modality, but for folks with whom we hadn't had an established relation or trusting relationship resulting from at least one to face-to-face engagement, it was very hard to connect with them. Like Jen and Tasha, many of our members do not have access to technology or phones.
1: If we can start talking about those strategies with you, Jen, and then we'll go to Lauren and then Tasha.
3: So we focused on a telephonic outreach that was for our entire population just to complete a wellness check. These calls were framed more of a conversation. We didn't really want it to feel like we were diagnosing someone or just focusing on the medical. We wanted to know how our members were handling the stress and really put out a human interaction so that our members understand we care about them, but also that there are other people that can help them in the pandemic. We would provide resources during that interaction if it were to come up in the conversation, and this could be things like transportation or food insecurity, as well as just general COVID education. Like I mentioned previously, we have that hard to reach button. This was created slightly before the pandemic but it really seemed to come in handy with that so that we could make sure we know who our hard-to-reach members are. And if that member to call in for something, we know why they're calling in, we know who also needs to talk to them, and we get to them as quickly as possible so that we can take care of everything within that call. This button is built in, like I mentioned, to every aspect of our EHR. So if someone is lacking their HRA we can hover over that and we see that they need to be transferred to our HRA outreach group. If they need to update the demographic information, discuss medication adherence with our pharmacy, or complete things like update their address so we know that their eligibility is still true, we can do that all within that hover and try to address everything as efficiently as possible. The hard to reach button has been very impactful for that streamlining as well as communicating throughout our organization because we are spread out across the entire state of Alabama. When it comes to adding and removing that button, we really try to get that taken care of within 24 hours. That way we can quickly see if the member were to call back that they need to complete something like an HRA or prevent an unnecessary transfer for that member having to sit like if we had already completed it but it wasn't taken off. This has allowed us that effective communication and also allowed us to demonstrate how much we care for and respect our members.
1: Wow, it sounds like it was really useful both for your internal purposes, but more importantly for the, yes. the member experience of the, with the plan. So thanks for sharing more about that. It was really intriguing. Lauren, why don't we turn to you for some of the strategies
4: that CCA used to overcome the challenges we described earlier? Although we were trying to reach out to every single member in the organization, we prioritized outreach to our members at higher risk of adverse outcomes associated with COVID-19 infection or those with greater risk due to psychiatric or medical complexity. As we assessed higher risk members, we had a team in the field with appropriate PPE expand the state that could conduct a home visit for those with whom we couldn't connect with telephonically or were at higher risk and necessitated a home visit. Because of the barriers of going into the community, staff who would have typically been in the field could now spend more time calling members or providing support to our care partners. We did many wellness checks to assess for needs related to social determinants of health, including food access, housing, transportation needs, and pharmacy needs.
1: Oh, thanks. It sounds like the wellness checks, both telephonic and in-person, for both you and for Jen were really very helpful.
2: Why don't we turn it to you, Sasha? Thank you, Renee. Similar to Lauren and Jen, um, at the onset of the pandemic, we reached out to every single one of our members to ask them about their needs. Again, similarities there. It was very conversational, really asking them, what is it that you need from us? What would be the most helpful? We would address those needs by leveraging our community health workers and case management team, providing resource education and connecting members to services. One of the ways that we worked to mitigate the challenges with technology was to create a shortened assessment. As I mentioned previously, many of our members have limited phone minutes, you know, if they do have cell phones. And we wanted to ensure that we were addressing, again, the members' immediate needs, what they valued what they felt was most important at the time, and ensure that they knew how to get in contact with us for additional support. Prior to the pandemic, we had two teams. One was primarily in the community, and the other was primarily engaging in telephone-based outreach efforts. As the pandemic evolved, our community based team experience pauses and restarts with face to face interactions. At times the community based team had to rely more on telephonic based outreach.
1: Thanks, Tasha. Okay, I wanna switch up to another topic which has been sort of alluded to in both your presentations but also in this conversation so far. Can you describe or can each of you discuss how you partnered with community providers to meet the needs, including some of the unmet social needs that many of you described before of hard-to-reach members during the pandemic. And why don't we start with Lauren?
4: CCA is overseeing, in collaboration with the state, a statewide isolation and recovery site for all individuals who met financial and clinical eligibility requirements and tested positive for COVID-19. These individuals were either homeless or marginally housed and could not return to shelters or other facilities for care. Individuals are provided with a hotel room and three meals per day, clinical oversight, behavioral health services, and linkages to additional services as needed, including recovery coaches or detox. As a result, we could flag CCA members if we identified they needed additional support after discharge. We also are integrated with many hospitals, so we identified members going into the emergency departments and we could help successfully transition them out of the hospital and back home and provide them with necessary services within the community. We have partnerships with what CCA defines as health homes, not the typical definition of health homes, but human service organizations and community health centers across the state and partnered with shelters to identify our hard-to-reach members. We work with these organizations outside of the pandemic and our collaborations were heightened during the pandemic.
1: Thanks, Lauren. I know that um, during the community practice, we've heard uh, kind of live about the isolation and recovery site. So it's it's great to be able to share that with this audience as well. Why don't we turn to Tasha next and then to Jen after that.
2: So members that had unmet social needs in the context of housing or other needs due to limited financial resources prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, those needs were exacerbated by the health crisis. The pandemic resulted in many changes for those in the workforce. And what we saw was an increase in individuals looking to access social services, As a result of shutdowns and an increase in folks seeking to access services, we began to experience delays in responses from social programs. With the initial stay-at-home or shelter-in-place orders in the state of Washington, we saw a lot of need related to food security. Individuals were concerned about going out in public or they didn't have transportation. We leveraged our team to pick up and drop off groceries. One of the other things that we did, we also expanded our partnership with a local organization to deliver prepared meals to members who were quarantined due to a presumed or confirmed case of COVID-19 and were experiencing food insecurity. We also received daily notifications of our members that tested positive for COVID, and we outreached to them to notify them and coordinate the food benefits. We also partnered with a community-based organization that primarily serves refugee and immigrant women in collaboration with this community-based organization, we put on a series of webinars in five different languages, Arabic, Dari, French, Swahili, and Amharic, for these women that focused on a healthy lifestyle. COVID-19 was an area of discussion in the webinars, but we also focused on overall health, including mental health, substance use, sleep hygiene, exercise, diet, and but you can discuss with your doctor. We partnered with County Health departments to have our case managers assigned to isolation and quarantine sites so that we could connect with members who did not have a home in which to quarantine. Case managers access our dashboard for information on our members at these sites, and then they would connect with the onsite coordinators to get members engaged in case management services.
1: Tasha, thanks. Really to uh, underscore your partnership with the uh, community-based organization that serves the African refugee and immigration, uh, immigrant population. So that's really a terrific
3: partnership and, and,
1: you know, certainly a trusted organization. So, Jen, why don't I turn to you next?
3: Well, food insecurity proved to be a big issue for our members, and connecting them with agencies within the community was really essential to addressing this. For example, if we were to determine there was a donated food site where we had resources available in an area and we knew there was a high concentration of members, our care managers, if they were working with a member, especially during the intensive care management, could share this information about those organizations and how uh, or where or when they could get that resource. They could also share this information during their weekly care manager meetings within the team, So that other resources that might be available for another person's patient or member could be utilized. We really made sure that we were mindful of local churches as resources, the Salvation Army. There's also the Community Food Bank of Central Alabama and then other shelters that might've had food available that were donated. So we spent a lot of time leveraging those relationships to make sure that the information could get disseminated to our members. Social media can also, and was also a very helpful resource for our team and gathering information quickly and a good way to confirm availability and then communicate that to the members. Prior to the pandemic, we had also staff, had staff situated in the hospitals throughout Alabama as kind of an early warning system for our transition. So we what we did throughout the pandemic was assure the hospitals were still conducting our outreach and were still providing care management to the members just noted that it may not be the traditional face to face like we would do but rather telephonic we are still working with those hospitals to make sure we can reintroduce our staff within their covid protocol another thing that was very helpful was an over the counter benefit that we had prior to the pandemic but really seemed to shine during the pandemic. This is a benefit that allowed our members to get things like personal hygiene items such as toothpaste, body wash, mask, mouthwash, and it could be shipped directly to their house so that they would not have to worry about traveling to a pharmacy and potentially being exposed to COVID. We hoped that this benefit would help alleviate some of the members' stress or worry about COVID nineteen because they are chronically ill and at high risk.
1: Thanks so much, Jen, and thanks for ending that on some of the, you know, the items that we don't necessarily think of right away when we think about unmet social needs. I wanted to shift gears a little bit now in our conversation. I mentioned in the introduction, this community of practice started meeting just when vaccines were becoming more widely available. And so I wanted to, you know, have you guys talk about a recurrent topic within the community practice. And that's about, you know, COVID vaccine outreach and engagement. So I'm hoping that each of you, and we'll start with Jen this time, can share some of the strategies that your plans and any of the providers that you work with use to support those COVID-19 vaccination outreach and education processes. So, again, we'll start with Jen and then
3: go to Lauren and then Tasha. Um, What we did is incorporate care plans into our telephonic outreach that would reiterate evidence-based messages from the CDC, somewhere where it was valid information about the pandemic in the beginning these goals would focus on hand washing social distancing or other guidance provided at that time and then once the vaccines became available we would help inform members of good information sources about the vaccine support the members in things like assisting to schedule their vaccinations we also focused on hesitance and providing education about the vaccine and one method was our social media account such as facebook or instagram Our chief medical officer would talk about concerns or misinformation people had. One of the rumors, for example, was the infertility fears that people had from getting the vaccination. And we really worked hard to debunk those myths. We also had opportunities where our staff, such as our chief medical officer, would appear on the local news station to discuss some of the hesitancy and factual information. And whenever we would make contact with our members, and this topic came up, we made sure to direct them to their local health department, the CDC, the NIH, etc., for more valid information about COVID and the vaccine.
4: Thanks for that, Jen. Lauren, why don't I turn to you next? PCA used the entire interprofessional team, including and highlighting our health outreach workers, to educate members about vaccinations, answer questions, or address anxieties about the vaccinations. Many individuals were anxious or were experiencing severe isolation, so behavioral health specialists worked with folks telephonically around vaccination and other issues related to the pandemic, like social isolation, not being able to see family, friends, or peers. We identified CCA members that were homebound and were able to do at-home vaccinations. In addition, the state of Massachusetts asked us to support them in an in-at-home vaccinations for non-CCA members. We quickly pivoted to that Although this was often challenging to get enough nurses that could disperse from our four geographic locations across the state of Massachusetts. Even though these are home visit, it could still be challenging to reach all members in order to use each day's allocation of vaccination. So we had to be prepared to be able to Utilize all of the vaccinations each day, so had emergency lists to accommodate that. Staff at the previously mentioned COVID-19 isolation recovery sites, the hotels, provided education on COVID-19 vaccination and connected participants to community providers who then could support participants in getting the vaccine in the community. At the time, we were unable to give vaccinations at the hotel sites because the limited time the, the guests were staying with us.
2: At the onset of the pandemic, We provided information to members based on available guidance at the time. Um, Once vaccines became available, we assisted members in scheduling appointments and or arranging transportation to vaccination appointments. Over time, our outreach became more targeted to specific populations. One tool that enabled us to be more targeted in our efforts was a dashboard that we created to track vaccination rates by area and provider. We used the tool to identify communities with disparities in vaccination rates, and then we reached out to and collaborated with providers and community partners in the area to serve these populations. We also communicated with members via text in their preferred language to provide information about vaccine efforts or events in their communities. And we also collaborated with our local health department by providing data on members who are unable to leave their homes to ensure they could receive vaccinations through the health department's mobile vaccine efforts.
1: Harder to reach populations, and those are people experiencing homelessness or those with serious mental illness. And I wanted to invite each of you to talk about some of the specific examples of strategies that plans or your affiliated providers employed to engage either one or both of those populations. So why don't we start with you, Tasha, and then we'll go to Jen and then to Lauren.
2: One of the exacerbated challenges during the pandemic for us was engaging members living with behavioral health conditions, uh, engaging attempting to engage with members in case management services. We really were working to determine the best way to connect with these members To address this gap of not being able to engage, um, we leveraged our community health workers to locate these members. Our case managers coordinated with our community health workers. Once a member was located, the community health worker completed a health risk assessment. The The health risk assessment helped the case manager develop a plan of care after the warm handoff. We recognized the importance of building trust and being consistent in our relationships with members experiencing homelessness or living with behavioral health conditions. To build trust with our members, we work to address the most critical needs before we discuss behavioral health needs. This helps to show members that we are dependable and consistent. Once we establish an initial relationship with members, our community health workers use a variety of strategies to support members' behavioral health needs. This includes using recovery-oriented and strength-based person-centered language, using motivational interviewing tools, connecting members to behavioral health providers, and working to help members understand how to use their behavioral health benefits. We also provide educational peer support, helping members understand the value of connecting with another person who lives with a mental health or substance use condition and how that could be helpful in their recovery journey.
3: Thanks, Tasha. Why don't we turn to Jen? Visual works closely with hospital staff in the areas and provides support and outreach to our members. And we really work, as I mentioned previously, to foster that relationship with the hospitals as it's particularly important to the members with serious mental illness. We work and continue to work to make stronger connections with those hospitals and have regular staff meetings prior to the pandemic to really kind of uh, concrete those relationships to make a more successful outreach with members of the group that can be hard to reach. Our vCare team, which are our intensive care managers, Contact the hospital discharge staff. They can contact shelters, members, uh, family members, their caregivers or group home leaders to assist in locating alternative housing options for members with mental illness. Stable housing can be quite an issue. Um, the result of this coordination is very helpful during a transition. We also have that warm handoff where the member is going directly from their discharge plan or at the hospital helping them to our staff seamlessly getting them back into the community and we hope that this not only decreases the stress of the member having to figure out how to navigate their discharge because it can be very complicated but also increase the likelihood of a positive outcome our care manager is able to follow the member after for 30, 60, 90 days or longer, depending on the specific situation of the member to ensure that that is a really solid discharge plan. Members can also contact their care manager Say they aren't necessarily in the hospital, but it's several months down the line and a new issue comes up. They can reach out to them and they can um, have someone to provide support while they're tackling these new challenges after discharge. Our care managers are excellent advocates and supporters of our members, and we're very proud of them for that. And we really feel that also by having that strong support after it helps provide a positive accountability for the hospital where they want to make that discharge plan very solid. We connected with members to determine what community organizations they're utilizing, and we make sure that we're passing our information along to these organizations, just to better wrap the interdisciplinary care team around the member who may be experiencing that behavioral health challenge and helps us to eliminate the gaps in their plan of care by doing so. If providers and CBOs in the field have knowledge of the services we're able to provide as a result of our communication and outreach, we hope that they will then share that benefit of our care coordination with the members whenever they come upon the information they may have our plan. We hope that this reduces the chances that the member will fall through those cracks and also increase the capability of the treatment team to work with the CBO on shared goals that they may also have with the member. An example of that would be transportation. It is essential to a variety of aspects for ongoing stability as well as disease management. So our CBOs are informed of our non-emergency transportation benefit with a group called MTA within the Birmingham and Full State and then Ride Health which is more in the Huntsville area for our SNP members. So we hope that by having that benefit Not only is it benefiting the member to ensure that they have consistent transportation to their appointments, but also preventing the CBO from utilizing what resources they may have as they may be limited for the transportation to the appointment.
1: Great to underscore the importance of of transportation, which I know we talked about a lot with respect to the COVID-19 vaccination, getting people to the COVID vaccination sites. So thanks for raising that, Jen. Lauren, why don't we have you close out
4: our discussion on these particular populations? So all of our members at CCA have access to a licensed behavioral health clinician as well as a health outreach worker. Many of our members have barriers to get into facilities and if they miss appointments, they're not they are not able to return to the facility for six to eight months for to get another appointment. So they have access to our own clinicians that are able to provide crisis management, diagnosis and assessment, connect them to resources in the community, and most importantly, be able to do home visits and conventional therapy in their home. In addition, we we have developed a 26-bed crisis stabilization unit that we operate with a partner, a human service provider, to treat members with psychiatric and substance use issues. This allows us to divert members from emergency departments and unnecessary inpatient stays to this unit which is more of a community-based setting than an institutional setting. In Massachusetts, a typical crisis stay is three to four days. However, our CCA patients can stay for as long as their needs require, and we can provide additional wraparound services as they transition back into the community. Previously, we saw people go between emergency departments to get treatment for their psychiatric concerns or substance use. Members that were disengaged prior to arriving at the crisis units may become more engaged after accessing these services and learning more about the support the plan can provide. We often connect them to primary care, behavioral health services, or substance use services in the community, as well as their care team in the community. Additionally, we have behavioral health clinicians and recovery coaches on site in the emergency departments who offer face-to-face contact and engagement. This allows us to transition members to our crisis unit or do a warm handoff to our community teams.
1: Thanks, Lauren. Wow, it sounds like there are a really wide variety of approaches that each of your plans are using across a wide spectrum to reach these, uh, reach and engage these two populations. I think we're gonna close out with one last question for everyone. I wanted everybody to look forward a little bit and ask you each to share what you learned about engaging hard-to-reach members as a result of the pandemic and what strategies you might continue to use moving forward that you may not have been using before. I think everyone talked about getting creative, and so. I just wanted you all to reflect on how those strategies might be able to be used in the future.
4: Lauren, why don't we start with you? We'll go to Tasha and then to Jenna. So at CCA, we had to pivot quickly to virtual care. We initially didn't think members would be receptive to virtual care, given their distrust of the system and wanting to see people face-to-face. We were happily surprised that a good percentage of members were receptive and able to utilize telehealth services. For members that have been receptive to virtual care, we will continue a hybrid method, both in person and virtually. This allows for more staffing efficiency in terms of supporting all of our members across the state. We are also thinking about de- device allocations and Wi-Fi for our members who do not have access to technology. Many members typically still want at least a quarterly in-person visit, but are happy to utilize virtual care. CCA anticipates expanding all of our care and services throughout the all of our facilities, including groups, to conduct hybrid care where possible and desired. We are reflecting on lessons learned from our isolation recovery sites and our ability to connect 95% of those folks to resources for longer-term care, even though they were only with us for a short time, 10 to 12 days. CCA did a lot of analysis around food insecurity and saw an increase during the pandemic. We are looking for creative and innovative ways to support members through our engagement center or other organizations to help manage their food access.
1: Thanks for that, Lauren. Let's go to Tasha.
4: So we plan to continue
2: to grow the role of our community health workers as part of the care team and leveraging our connections to communities to enhance our ability to get members what they need when they need it. Our community health workers reflect the diversity of our membership and they're well connected within their communities. The foundation of our care approach is locally delivered person care, as I mentioned earlier. And our efforts to create regional care teams is an integral part of our integrated care approach. We are in the early stages of developing regional care teams, which include staff in various roles, including regional case managers, community health workers, field case managers. Um, we'll also be exploring other roles as a part of the regional care teams we move forward. But the regional care team staff live in the communities they serve and supports expansion of our in-person services programs for our members. So it, it goes beyond just the community health worker living in the community, the whole regional care team. Staff on the regional team have relationships with providers and other member-serving organizations, and we work together to support members in achieving optimal health outcomes. While this is not new for us, we plan to continue to collaborate with external organizations. That's something that. That's foundational and core to us. Our extended meal benefit and our partnership with county health departments are great examples of working with others to meet the various needs of our members. We have been spending time working to develop a long-term social determinants of health strategy, which includes partnering and collaborating with a range of stakeholders, government entities, and
3: community-based organizations. Thanks, Tasha. And Jen, you get the final word on this. One helpful thing I think that really stood out was the streamlining our contact with our members, and it's something that would really positively and does positively impact our member experience. Because telephone contact was that primary resource of communication, we really focused on being mindful of how many times we're reaching out to the member and really collaborating as a team to reduce that fatigue. Our hard-to-reach button, as I've mentioned before, was really supporting of those efforts. And it also lent to us being much more cohesive in our outreaches, instead of having multiple contacts from the same company to the same member. Similar to that hard-to-reach button, uh, we implemented a COVID-19 vaccine button, another hover over, and that was something where we could look at claims. We could gather the information from the member. We could look at information gathered from the PCP or providers to see if that member is partially, fully uh, refusing or hesitant of the COVID vaccine, and we could take that information and put it in that hover button and then show that we can communicate whether that's something we might want to address, whether in the care management, whether with our connector quality, which is our outreach team for preventive care. That was something that we just really wanted to globally make available without having to put a lot of information in a very small spot. We could be very precise and effective with that information.
0: Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care. You can also find resources for integrated care on LinkedIn to stay up to date with our recent products and technical assistance.